0: Some things just fit well together. Peanut butter and jelly, cake and ice cream, Podcorn and podcasters. Podcorn is a marketplace that connects podcasters with sponsors and allows them to earn via host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. There's no middleman, and podcasters retain the right to their podcast. So whether you're a vet or a newbie to podcasting, Podcorn makes it easy to get started. So please click the link in my show notes and get started now. Hey, hey, good people. I sure do hope all is well and sending peace and love to you at all times. I wanted to share three listener submissions with you today, which helped me know that I'm reaching some people and hopefully helping some people just gain perspective and maintain a modicum of hope. The first submission comes from KS. KS writes, The Knowing place has been such a blessing. Losing a spouse to divorce, while not a death, for me came with grief and debilitating depression. I thank you for the parallels I was able to draw by listening to your podcast. Thanks again for sharing. Peace and love. Submission number two from Anonymous reads, Chuck, our daughter shared your podcast with our family, which is a big deal as she's been working through a lot lately. You've had such a big influence on our kids. We love you so much and are forever indebted to you. Thanks so much, Anonymous. The third submission comes from another Anonymous. Anonymous. And it reads, I have listened to both your podcasts and they are amazing. But I want to thank you for sharing your life because it is helping with the big sadness problem that I've had. I'm sure you're helping so many others as well. Thank you so much for submitting those. I'm sending peace and love to each of you. And I hope as you continue to listen, you'll continue to be encouraged and you encourage me as well by sharing your thoughts if anyone else feels like sharing please email me at the letter T knowingplace at gmail.com or leave a voice message on the anchor.fm app and let me know whether or not you care if I use your post or your information in a podcast so stay tuned we'll get going shortly with episode 3 Thanks so much for joining me on this third installment of the Knowing Place podcast called The Psychology of Race. Gotten some really good feedback from my first two episodes, great critiques. So I'm really trying to employ some new things to sound better and make the podcast better with each recording. In today's climate, with race the way that it is, people disagreeing, I really started to take a lot of inventory with why do I think the way I think about things, and what has shaped my prejudices, my opinions of people, and I just started trying to empathize and consider the way other people may think, or have been influenced, or raised, or taught, or programmed, if you will. To think about others. I was thinking and. I realized that my very first memory. Of being black. Was probably in the seventh grade. So I had a female friend. We were just good friends. And we liked each other. And we called ourselves quote unquote boyfriend and girlfriend. She happened to be white. We didn't think anything of that. But I noticed that once. It was known that we were, quote unquote, a couple again, as much as a couple as seventh graders can be. I noticed things like certain guys wanted to fight me. Or I got into a fight actually with a guy, supposedly over a game we were playing in a, during PE, but not in retrospect. I kind of wonder if it had something to do with uh, the situation with the young lady. And I started to think, what had those guys been taught at home or at school or in the media about interracial relationships? I even had a counselor at the school at the time, again, this is middle school, who all of a sudden needed to meet with me to discuss a situation. And I honestly don't remember what she said to me, but I do remember it had something to do with the fact that I had this white girlfriend at the time. So it was very uncomfortable for a lot of people. I remember another friend of mine, also in middle school, this may have been eighth grade, very beautiful friend. She's no longer with us, unfortunately, so rest in peace to her, but she told me, one time she said you know chuck if you were white i'd be your girlfriend and i thought that was odd but i also understood what she meant so those were a couple of my earliest experiences with race or being made aware that i was black really if that makes sense i never really thought about it before those two i don't have any memory of being made aware of my blackness if you will Before those two episodes. I recall. That when I was working for a federal government agency at one time. Years ago. I worked in the summers. And I would also work uh, during my Christmas break. And other breaks from college. And we were working out of town. And we went to this place in Kentucky. And I was the only black person on the crew. And we walk into this general store because we were doing groundwater testing and and we wanted to ask permission of the owner of the property. If it was okay for us to be on the property to test the groundwater for chemicals and things like that. And when we walked into the store, the owner looks at me and looks at everybody else and says, Oh y'all just want permission to test my groundwater. I thought y'all were here to sell him referring to me. So he was cracking a joke. Maybe he wasn't joking. And saying that they thought everybody had come in there to sell me to him as a slave, I suppose. And of course, everybody with me was embarrassed. But I wasn't surprised. It really didn't faze me. Again, these things don't catch those of us who have grown up in certain environments by surprise. Now, I don't mean that to say that my my growing up was bad or I was around a lot of racism. Cause that was not the case, but there's always an air of an undercurrent of race was always present. So it's never surprising. Another instance experience I had working with the same company, I was in a local area and I was standing in line behind a young white gentleman and his little boy. The boy had to be no older than three, maybe four little kid. And they were standing right in front of me. And I heard the little kid leaning over to his dad, looking up at his dad. And he kind of peeked back at me and he said, Daddy, is that a nigger? And his daddy kind of shook the boy by his arm and, you know, told him to be quiet. This is a three or four year old kid. Where did he hear that? How did he know to associate that with somebody who looks like me? Well, we know he was taught that somebody told him that somebody was already programming, I'm sorry, programming him and influencing him to use that word when referring to people of a certain color. So it starts very early. So these are my first experiences in life. In the South. But I can still say overall, my upbringing was great. I have great friends of all colors. I didn't have a whole lot of bigoted or prejudiced experiences growing up, but I had enough to be able to recognize it and kind of sniff it out when I experienced it. So just to change gears some in this podcast, I just want to talk about the psychology of racism, bigotry, prejudice and just kind of jump into that a little bit so buckle up with me and let's take a ride and just see what we come up with as we explore the psychology of racism please stay tuned for a short ad and we'll start the podcast as soon as it's finished thanks Welcome back, everyone, to this second segment of episode three. In this segment, I want to discuss the psychology of racism. And I want to kind of discuss some things I've been thinking about um, centered around three words that are often used interchangeably, although I think it's wrong to do so, and that is Racist versus bigot versus prejudiced. And as I thought about these words and have been thinking about them for a while now, just with, you know, all the things that are going on and race really being at the forefront. Seemingly more so now than before. I think about the role that culture. Education. The media. All play and the programming of minds to think along racial lines. I mean, they are called programs for a reason. Um, I truly believe that very few people are consciously bigoted or consciously racist. But again, more so they are influenced, brainwashed, if you will, And it has been instilled in them from who knows how young. These things are an integral part of our culture. And they have been for so long. They're inherent. And because of this, it would take a monumental effort to get these dirty stains out of the fabric of America and the world for that matter. Well, let's look at these three words. First off, let's look at prejudice. All of us are prejudiced. We have things that we think about people based on things we've heard, based on things we've seen, and we've applied those things to everyone who looks like or talks like or behaves like these people. These are prejudices. We all have them. Now, being bigoted can imply that you dislike a group of people or a certain type of people based on race or religion or sexual orientation or some nuance that you just don't like. And because you don't like these nuances about them, you don't like them. That can be considered a bigoted mindset. And then you have the racist And I'm of the opinion that racists are rare in that racism in and of itself requires power, authority. When you can back up your bigotry or prejudice with power and authority, then you are a successful racist. And saying that most of us don't have the power or the authority to influence people's lives Most of us cannot be racist. Here's an example. If I own Chuck Smith bank and let's say a couple comes in and the woman is taller than the man. And I just don't like couples where the woman's taller than the man. I don't like it. I hate them. I've never liked them for whatever the reason. This couple comes in, beautiful couple, qualified, good jobs, great income, great credit. But I look at their application and because I'm bigoted against them because of the height difference, as silly as that sounds, I have the power and authority to deny their loan application. And because I can deny their loan application, maybe that house they wanted is out of their reach. Maybe that land or that building they want to buy is out of their reach. Now, sure, they could go somewhere else and try to get another loan, but at my bank, I have the power and authority to enforce my bigotry against them. Now, that's not race related, but you can see how that could be applied to a person's color. If they're denied opportunities because of their color by somebody who has the power and authority to do that, that is, in fact, racist. So very few of us have power to be racist. We're all prejudiced. Very, very few of us are racist. And some of us are bigots, meaning, you know, simply you dislike a group because of whatever. So when we understand those meanings of those three words, racism requires power slash authority. Bigotry just requires Ignorance and sheer stupidity, in my opinion. And prejudice, in a lot of ways, can be a natural human tendency based on various influences. Again, this being an integral part of our culture, these things, and I don't think anyone, very few people blatantly Participate in these things. And it's often subtle in the form of health care disparities, food deserts, redlining, financing opportunities. And for some of you listening, some of my students anyway, you have to look up some of these terms like redlining. You'll be interested to see what they mean, but it'll be a good education for you. It exists and it's a problem. And although I'm an optimist, I really believe that the stains of racism, bigotry, prejudice, supremacy mindsets is so deeply ingrained in the fabric of America that most people don't have the energy to fight against it. It's such a deep stain that I think most people just have resigned themselves to letting it remain stained and trying to live as best they can with that stain in the fabric. I don't want this to be true, but sometimes it feels that way. So let's just think of some ways that we can attack this problem Collectively, practically, lovingly, once again, with a perspective of hope. That's what this all. This whole thing is about hope. There's always hope and we have to seek to find hope as much as we can, as often as we can. So stay tuned and we'll be right back and we'll jump on some potential solutions of how we can tackle this problem. So where's the hope in all of this? Because there is hope. If we think about this there are some keys that we could focus on communication open honest dialogue following that golden rule to do unto others as you would have them do unto you loving thy neighbor as thyself killing the fear that ignorance breeds. Communication can help kill these things, stop these mindsets, or at least start to chip away at them. Starts off with two of us having a conversation. Then maybe four of us. Then four becomes eight. And if we keep growing that way, having open honest, sincere conversations, change can happen. So I think we have to make an effort to think about our mindsets, our views, our ideas about people that we see as different than we are. We have to question our our ideologies and really seek to find out, think about where do these ideologies come from? What are they really based on? Are they even true? Let's move to root out the mindsets that are based on ignorance and fear and focus on having love for our neighbor. The work is hard. It's uncomfortable. But it's necessary. It's worth the effort. Not only will it honor God, but it also promotes the true nature of community. And a key root of that word community is unity. We're much stronger together than we are divided. And there are many things that divide us. By design, I believe, because we're divided and weak than other not so savory members of society can use their tactics to make gain at our expense. So let's work together to grow together to truly consider others. And if we're willing to do that, I believe that one day Maybe not in my lifetime, but one day we can slowly but surely truly progress towards a better society, being better neighbors and showing true respect and honor for our fellow brothers and sisters i leave you with peace and love always. Please leave me some comments, critiques, concerns. All input is welcome. If you get a chance, go check out teespring.com slash the knowing place and pick up some merchandise. Free shipping with the code hope. Capital H O P E for the next couple of weeks. So, thanks again for joining me. Let's continue to grow. Let's continue to show love and respect to each other. Be safe.